Hi, everyone. I'm Anthony Mindel. Welcome to In The Moment, a podcast about acting, art, and life, and that tricky little thing we're all after but rarely find ourselves in, the moment. In this series, I talk to all kinds of creatives and friends about the joys and the ah, heartache and challenges of acting, writing, producing, and getting out of our own ways to be the creative channels we all are. For more information, go to anthonymile.com, and you can also find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Okay, I hope you enjoy. On today's episode, we have actress Hope Lauren, starring in The Republic of Sarah on The CW. They chat about navigating the casting room, tips and tricks on set, like how to cry on command five days in a row, and how important it is to live a full life in order to bring that experience to the work. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by We Audition. Receive 25% off with the promo code AMAW on weaudition.com. The video chat community to audition, rehearse, self-tape, and get advice, and hopefully book the fucking job. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of In The Moment Podcast, where we talk about all kinds of cool, funky, creative, beautiful, scary, wonderful stuff. Uh, just being out in the world. And my guest today is the incandescent Hope Lauren. This is when we hit the applause. So it's not just silent. Oh, thank you. Stop. Yeah, you'll hear that when we do it in, in, in post. But hi, Hope. Hi. So good to see Gotta you. Have Oh, hope. Is that a song? I feel like there was a song it's about the, hope. It's the, I've got high hopes. Hopes. I've got high hopes. I've got high in apple pie in the sky. Hopes. I remember that song. Yeah. You know, Laverne and Shirley used to sing that song. Really? You even know Laverne and Shirley? You're too no, young. No, but I was trying to pretend. Fuck you. I know the names, but like, I don't know the the reference, the, you Laverne know. Laverne and Shirley, okay, you should Google this afterwards, or YouTube it. Laverne and Shirley was like the friends of like in the 1970s. It was a really popular sitcom with Penny Marshall and Cindy Williams, and it was super funny. Yeah? It was yeah. a spinoff of Happy Days. I know Happy Days. I do know Happy Days. Sunday, Monday, Happy Days. Happy We're just going to sing our way through this podcast. Oh, my God. Yeah, be so Hope, tell us, okay, so for people who don't know Hope, you've been like making your way, you're LA based, and uh, you got had a big breakthrough this past year, even during COVID, no less, right? Uh, Wild. CW show called The Republic of Sarah, yay. yay. You're not Sarah, but you're part of the Republic. Not Sarah, but I, yes, I am a founding member of the Republic. <laughs> So tell, and it just started airing, right? I haven't seen it yet, full it confession. But. Tonight actually is episode 10. So oh, we've, wow. we've okay. had 10 episodes. So, but so in like, what? what's, it's August. So in June, did it drop in June or? Yeah, it's June 14th, I think was our like big premiere day. Okay, so how does it feel? It feels crazy. It feels, it feels wild. It, I think, what felt crazier was just the process of getting the role yeah. and then shooting it. And now that it's out, that's the abstract part. Cause like, I don't know people, you know, like there, there are like billboards and stuff and I don't know what the reaction really is. So like that part is less 
abstract than the whole buildup and the actual process of shooting it was. Well, I, I love that you're saying that. It is not only is it abstract, but I also, as you know, because you were at the school for so long, trying to always ground actors into like why we're doing it, what it's about is the moment. So you had these moments on set and hopefully it was amazing and great, you know, uh, peers that you were working with, but then once it's done, it's done, like it's done, you know, maybe there's an opening night or a red carpet, but it's done. Yeah, it's like that thing where um, sometimes I feel like when I was in class, like a really good class would fill me up more than like a big audition or something. Just like, it's just the process that feels really juicy and really fulfilling. And I think I learned that a few, or like maybe like five or six years ago, of just like, oh, that's the thing that's gonna fill me up. Not necessarily even getting the role or the reaction to the project, but just the actual like good day on set. Yeah, it takes a while to start to realize that, right? And as we get yeah. older, maybe we start to appreciate moments more or how creative the moment can be, right? And Absolutely. And I think yeah. also just learning that, like, as actors, we only really have control over the moments that we're acting and that we're listening and that we're performing. And afterwards, you have no idea what the editors are going to do and, and what the marketing is going to be. So you just, you're like, oh, I just want to leave it all out on the field for the job that I was hired to do and that's what feels really good and that's kind that's, of all I can do. Right. I mean that's really you know film is or tv or whatever is like in post it's like the you know like an editor's medium really so it's kind of like out of your hands I mean okay. it's you that, that that story you just said reminded me too like when I was in class in New York I'll never forget I haven't thought about this in forever although I was just in New York teaching middle school there and I reminded me because I was in my 20s when I was you know living and working in New York but I'll never forget I had this final callback for this off-Broadway show which happy ending I didn't end up getting Love but that. in my my callback I it was during my class time and I didn't want to miss class <laughs> yep. and I just wasn't fully uh, my audition just wasn't rocking it like I know it could. And it was fine. I ended up getting the job, whatever. But I remember rushing back to get the last end of class and my teacher asked me how did it go? And I was like, well, I was like, I just wanted to be in class. And she got so mad at me. She's like, you're in class so that you go and have these experiences. And she was right. You know what I mean? So it's, it is about the things that we learn how to do. We got to remember that the job is going to be an approximation of it. That's Absolutely. why we learn. That's why we train. <laughs> that is why we train. It's just, I think that, I think that with this process, and as you know, teaching it for so long, you're never going to be done learning about it. And I learn so much when I'm through every single process of it, whether I'm in class or like prepping the audition, whatever that may be, or in the room of the audition and something totally unexpected happens or on set and something else totally unexpected happens and every step of the way I'm learning something new and I feel like it's so fulfilling and that feeling that I get is like that feeling that I get when I'm in class and like I leaned into something surprising you know like just like just that feeling I think is like what I'm always chasing yes. whether like wherever it happens you know, but like it, it, when it happens, it's like, oh, that's the, that's the thing. That's the like high that I'm addicted to. Well, so how, how, what was the process like for you then? 
terms of getting the job. Honey, <laughs> it was wild. Um, it was they it was pretty, are, yeah. it was pretty crazy. It was it was basically there was this casting office, Angela Terry and Barbara Stardall, and they they've been calling me in. I've been here now for like ten years since I was a teenager, oh, and uh -huh. and they've been calling me in over and over and over and over and over again. And every time I've never booked anything with them before. And then they reached out to my reps and were like, we'd love for Hope to just come to this like producer session for this role. And it was a very quiet pilot season for me. I like hadn't gone out for anything. This was the sort of like first pilot. And I was kind of like focusing on other stuff, but I was like, oh yeah, I, I think I know this girl. And I went in and I did it and I did the first two scenes. And then the second scene, I got really nervous and I asked to do it again. And then they let me do it again. And then as I was leaving, Angela stopped me in the hallway and she's like, can I pull you aside and talk to you for a moment? And I was like, yes, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have asked to do it again. I just, I'm sorry. It's just like I messed up. And I was like freaking out, spiraling. And she goes, uh-uh, shh, listen. She's like, your instinct, she's like, we've been calling you in for years. Your instincts are always correct. You never have to do it again. All you need to do is calm down and trust yourself. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. Okay, thank you. And I think I like went to the car and cried because that was so like kind of her to say. Yeah. Yeah. And then I found out a week later that I was going to test for the role and I had never tested for anything before. And and that I that was it's ter that's terrifying. What an insane yeah. process testing yeah. for a part. Yeah. Um but I had a session with the director and the showrunner before and the showrunner pulled me aside and he's like, just so you know, like, you're our choice, but you're going to see other girls there. Like, right. don't get freaked out. And I'm like, yeah, there's no way I'm not going to get freaked. Just so you know, I'm absolutely going to get freaked out. This is a freaky process. Um, also, thank you for telling me that. Like, I'm their choice, all right? Like, yeah, no like, pressure or like, you know. <laughs> don't mess up. And so I yeah. did the studio test and then I went to do the... Um, Network. network test yeah. and in the network test my very first scene my second line I just like yeah. I messed up so hard and everyone started laughing and I kind of like made a joke out of it and started over again and then I left and of course like all of my nerves that had been sort of gathering up through the week of the test, I like broke down in the elevator. I called my reps. I was like, I fucked up. This is so stupid. I did all the tests. I, I, oh, I don't know if we're allowed to cuss. But oh, I yes, was like, I can all the time. Okay, great. But I was like, I really messed up. I'm so sorry. Whole, and then like, as I'm doing this, the two casting directors come around the corner. I put away my phone and I'm just like, oh, hey guys, totally normal, totally cool, what's going on? And they were like, we are so sorry. That one guy laughed and like messed up your audition. And I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, that one guy totally messed up. Like, the second you left, we all yelled at him. And I was like, yeah, totally. <laughs> That's absolutely what happened. It wasn't me messing up, it was them. And, um, and then I, it was like, that was a Friday. And then they said, you'll probably find out on Monday. And that was the longest weekend of my entire life. And then Monday around 3 p.m. I got the call. And I think I like Aww. ran around the block five times and cried. Aww. Hmm. Well, I hope it's so deserved. But I mean, I was just thinking just before this podcast, hold on a minute. Just sometimes I can hear myself and feedback. So I'm going to mute myself. You're, I think you're fine. Can you hear me? I can totally hear you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, great. Now, when I talk, I'm muting myself on this end and you can hear me thumbs up. Yes, good. Totally. So yeah. I just, how many times in class did I tell you like, it's all gonna happen for you? <laughs> a, a bunch of times. And and I, I, I'm generally like, right. And I tell a student like, but however, comma, sometimes it takes a shit long time. Yeah. And I think that's, I just felt like it took so long and and it still but is not really not really how many years i mean i've been here for 10 years now but like i've i've worked little bits along the way and it's been yeah. like amazing but i think i think it just took me a long time to like you've said it casting directors have said it it took me a long time to trust myself and i think like one of the many gifts of getting to work on a show like this where i got to work every day for eight months was i started to learn that I can trust myself. And now I feel silly that it took this long to just be like, yes, it's okay to like rely on your instincts. And, and I learned that like day one in your class, which is what's hilarious. And and to just trust that like, I'm going to get the job done. I'm gonna show up and, and do the job and, and it's gonna be fine. And I think- I just wanna jump in and also, oh, go ahead, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go. No, I was just going to jump in and say, but also, ironically, Hope, you have amazing instincts. I always remember that about you. I was like, trust your instincts, trust your instincts, because you had, like, amazing instincts. <laughs> so nice. That's like the tattoo I need somewhere on my face or something, or just the, the slip of writing I need on my mirror every morning, because I feel like my anxiety is such that I want to fix things, mm -hmm. and so... I'll like have an idea and then I'll be like, no, that's too easy. And then I need to overcomplicate it by like solving things and figuring things out and going over the top and sort of muscling things rather than just like trusting. And I think trusting is just the most vulnerable thing in the world to do. Bingo. Also, what did you learn about the simplicity of stuff? that it's always the way and it feels insane to me. It feels so scary. I had a director who Megan Follows, who played Anne of Green Gables, who is on our show. She directed two of the episodes and she came up to me and she was like, she was directing and I was just supposed to be listening to something shocking. And she was, she was like, look, your face is like clear water. If you just let it land on you and be still, we'll see everything. Cause I was like, I'm under the assumption, even though I've been doing this for years, I'm just like, if I'm shocked, I, I have to look shocked. And it's like, no, you just have to listen truthfully, literally it. And just being reminded over and over again of these lessons that we learn on day one. And wow. the truth of it is that simplicity is so honest. And it is, I think in its honesty and it's, and it's like stillness is just so vulnerable. And I think that's the thing that like, I tend to try to muscle my way around and I tend to try to sort of cloak with like a wink rather than just letting it be what it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, all those insights inspire me so much because it's so much about what we talk about, the work we're doing. Like, I also think people, you've worked a lot now to, to really put that into practice, but to not underestimate how hard it is to really listen and trust one's listening 
which generates simplicity is also quite complex because there's so much going on. But actors keep, you know, I think actors try to make acting much harder than just those basics. But those basics are fucking hard. And they're always changing. They're always changing. They're yeah. so hard. They change with every job, but every single, you're right. Every single performance I've seen that's moved me is just yeah. because it was honest listening was taking place. That's, that's usually exactly what it is. But it's true that like everything feels, when you take away all of our things that we like to uh, use yeah. to make us feel yeah. safe, like yeah. even just the simple act of like me performing a monologue and then me doing it while sitting on my hands, something as like simple as yeah. that. All of a yeah. sudden, the sitting on my head, it's the most vulnerable thing in the world because you're just saying the words and listening and meaning them. And and it is that thing of, it's just so hard to be simple. And it's hard also to be simple while there's like a grip eating Doritos in the corner and like five cameras in your face. And you know what I mean? And you're looking at a pink X that is supposed to be the love of your life's eyeline, you know? Right. So it's like, to be simple is one thing, to be simple in that scenario is a whole other thing. Yeah, you're right, good point. I mean, it can be too. Uh, but also, what was I gonna say about simplicity? Um, 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 oh, also like I was just teaching in New York and Atlanta and you know, actors that are, it's also both, right? Like some training, actors have to also develop a sense of self that they are very full so that eventually they can trust they don't have to do anything. You you happen to be very, very full. So yes, you're at that place where you don't have to do anything. But other actors early on in their training, they have to develop a lot of access to feeling. And so it's not simple or easy or even trusting yet because they don't know themselves or they don't know how to access feeling and so it, it's work you got to grind yeah absolutely and even if you do feel like you found some techniques or tricks or what have you it changes on a day-to-day -day basis like from oh, episodes yeah. i think 9 to 13 my character's crying in like five scenes and i was like great i've I've got this down. And then by like day five, I was like, all, none of my tricks are working anymore. I can't figure out how to cry. Do I breathe? Do I walk around? Do I do a movement? Th what on earth do I do? And it's like, I, but I have all this stuff. And then one day it's just like, well, it isn't working. So I have to figure out a different way in. And then you have to become like a really clever little problem solver. What did you find? Did you use a menthol stick? That works. That absolutely does work. And one day I did, I was having to do the scene. Yes. I was so serious and so, teary and I was in it and then like right when we were shooting it an alarm went off because a pipe burst we all got evacuated and then we all came back in and they're like we have to go right back into it and I was like then put some menthol in my face because I'm no longer I'm no longer in the zone you got to put a menthol directly in my eyeball then but you did know, you, you that's funny but did you beat yourself <laughs> up and say I'm the worst actress ever because I wasn't generating feeling and I'm not Meryl Streep right now in this moment yes Tony yes I did how did you know? Yes, I absolutely did. I was like, do real actors do this? Exactly. A phony like me? No, they phone. Well, everybody's a phony at some level. It's not a pejorative. It's just you fake it till you make it. Sometimes you know what I mean. Yes. And sometimes you have it right here. And then also realizing that learning. You know, we were block shooting, so we were shooting two episodes at once in the span of two weeks, and yeah. so we'd be having to shoot like a really dramatic scene in the morning from a previous episode, and then a really happy one right after. And I would go there to the dark, dark darkness, and I would be there, and I would be like the actor, and then 
you know, five minutes later, they were like, okay, now it's, it's the day before and you're so happy. And I was like, oh, I can't, I forgot that like uh, the longevity, like the day has to get done. And I, this isn't an indie movie where we're shooting one scene a day where I can really go there and learning that like, oh, there are just different tools that you use on different projects. And this is a TV show where we have to get a ton done. And if you have to put some menthol in your eye so that you can continue to do your job for the rest of the day, so be it. Yeah. And, you know, also to remember, like, it's not always going to be about the acting anyway, right? Absolutely. It's not. What? It's not Wait. about acting? How dare you? Yeah. It's not it about me. <laughs> and then that's also the funny thing of when you see um, the editing. Oh, yeah. I remember there was like one scene where I, again, it was like that I was being uh, so indulgent in my feeling. And then a director was like, give me nothing. And then I went for the nothing. And of course they chose the nothing take. And I was like, oh, the nothing take makes a lot more sense. It really does. You know, and you learn that. Yeah. I was, I have a student who's the lead, uh, one of the leads on Kung Fu. And he was saying like, took them forever to get this very emotional thing. And then he finally got it. And then when he watched the show, they didn't use the takes where he finally got it. So he was really upset, but yeah, it's just, it's out of our hands, right? Absolutely. And it's also, part is that you yeah, probably learned something while you were doing it, even if it ends it's up- also, Yeah. It's also what serves story, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was telling some of the, students in Atlanta this weekend, like, we have to remember the story is the star, really. Yeah. Hard for actors to grasp that, but if they're in, you know, if they're facilitating telling story, they're not getting in the way of it. And so the story, I mean, obviously the actor becomes illuminated through the story, but the story is really what puts the train on the tracks. You know, you just happen to be the passenger in the train. And it's so interesting to watch that like battle even just like within yourself of just like ego versus the actual oh. job you need to get done yeah and, and i think because a lot of us have i mean i've worked really hard on making sure that not all of my self-worth comes from being a quote-unquote good actor and that's been a really like difficult journey to sort of divorce those two things over time but it's hard to realize that like sometimes you're just a, a color that an artist is choosing to paint with sometimes and you get to be creative in that way but it's but sometimes you're truly just a cog in a much bigger machine and that's oftentimes what makes it so fulfilling is this you know collaborative thing of telling a story but to not get in, in your own way of like but did i tell like the truest version of my you know and it like becomes very like ego and was that my Meryl Streep moment? And rather than just looking, like zooming out and looking at the big picture. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think, you know, the business doesn't always allow, you know, you were talking about indie films and like certain projects are gonna allow us to maybe lean more into like the work in a different way than sometimes television does or, you know, whatever, even maybe big movies, like it just depends, right? Like, yeah. so everything is like, like you said, it's always changing. It's always changed. That's what's so fun and frustrating about it, you know? 
Yeah, well, it's also like remembering that I think sometimes as actors, we think there's this nirvana to reach or there's this set point. And then once, once we finally have quote unquote mastered it, we can apply that rule to all. But that's like so crazy because just like life itself, you're a different person with every interaction. I mean, the core of who you are is the same, but, but your interactions with different people in different situations and different circumstances, certainly <laughs> during this time we're living in right now, it's so different than oh, I'm always fill in the blank, right? Yeah. Or like, I, if I just apply this equation, you know, A plus B plus X or whatever, yeah. then great. But no, that's not. And I think, isn't there some philosopher that said like, that's the key to happiness is to have a passion that you'll never master, that like you'll constantly be learning from? Didn't oh, I'm sure one of the Greeks, yeah. Did you say that? <laughs> I didn't say it. Maybe I've said, you know, I, I have always been about like process and the work, right? Because yeah. you've also, how many episodes, 13 episodes? How many did you guys do? You know, and now are you waiting to hear on season two? Yes. So, you know, I guess one wonders like, okay, well, what if it doesn't happen? I hope it does, but like, you know, and then, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be hustling to get work again. And like, is my happiness and my value and my worth only tied up to me being on a show and getting paid? Or is it also in all these processes of what being alive is all about, right? We, our culture is so not, doesn't teach us how to live in that, especially as actors, but I think just socially anyway, because we're so identified with success looking a certain way. Yeah, and hierarchy and, and this town, you know, is very tricky when it comes to that. And I think that like, I think this job came at a really lovely time for me because like I said, in the past few years, especially, I've, I've been very focused on divorcing my self-worth from whether or not I was working. Mm -hmm. And and understanding that acting is such an abstract art where like my friends who are musicians are like, I made this amazing song, let me play it for you. And then they're like, what'd you do this weekend? I'm like, oh, I had this crazy breakthrough when I was working on the scene in class. And it's like, well, you can't really show, you can't play that for someone, you can't show it. And yeah. it's this whole thing of like, I I know that I'm, or that awful question when you're at a party and people are like, what are you working on? And you're like, I don't know, I'm working on learning about this really tricky thing and I have nothing to show you for it. And I have no little like, I have no link to send to you, but I feel really good and <laughs> about it. And it's a weird place to live in, but as long as you're feeling fulfilled by it, that's all that matters. Well, I love what you're saying. It's it's because human beings don't like abstraction, or some people do, but 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 right, but but people like to label, define, put in boxes, compartmentalize, like define things based on oh, it has it has to make sense. I think like from in a like the linear, the cognitive part of us. Oh. I see something that therefore equals value as opposed to, yeah, the yeah, subjectiveness of like, it all. Your song is great, but last week I sat on my hands during a monologue and it like opened up this whole world for me. And I realized that like, I just need to listen and like say words, isn't that crazy? And it's like, no, people don't know what to do with that, which, you know, of course. I mean, Hope, I also think that just speaks to capitalism, right? Like all, you know, what's, what's the famous say, uh, Einstein said this, I'm gonna butcher it, but, uh, but it's something like, I've said it before in class, all things that matter, you can't count and all things that count don't matter. We'll look it up, but, but, but basically, but it's true. Like the things that we sometimes give 
in our culture, what we think success is supposed to look like almost always has a monetary attachment or a commercial attachment or some sort of, it's a, it's a quantitative attachment. But when we're in the arts and journeys and like, you know, it's poetry. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't always land in the, well, it never lands in the form or the way it's supposed to look. But, but for people who only think that, including artists in this business, that I have to be at this juncture, at this point in my life, that's where pain, confusion, comparison, judgment, shame. Yeah. Yeah. That's where all that's where all that. Yeah. And it's true because it, you can't monetize a breakthrough you had in therapy. That's right. You know, you can't be like, that's, right. that's one of the most important things to happen all year, maybe. But to my point, why does it always have to be monetized? Why does it? That's and that's also the crux of what we're facing right now in terms of our civilization in peril, because it's so it's so driven by. It's we're in a capitalist society that is like, you are only successful if you're working, if you're producing, if you're creating something, if you're rich. And it's like, we don't, we don't value joy or well, we're yeah. emotional. Well, I mean, we do, but you know what I mean? Like as a society, no, I get it. Value we value, we value billionaires going to space. It's so weird to me. Yes. Like, don't get me started. I mean, God, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. I know, I know. all yeah, of them. It's exhausting. And it's also, again, if you live in like a LA or a New York that is so consumed by this industry that you feel like you, you need to be at a level or you're surrounded by friends who are celebrating their Emmy nominations or, you know, and you're just, and you're trying to not compare and, and it's just, it can be so draining. And I think something that helped me or that does help me is like understanding that being an artist and a storyteller is also just about living your life. life and I think I did the thing where I lived my life to be an actor and I think maybe you told me this when I was about 20 years old because I moved out there when I was 17 I was working 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 I was just going to class every week and like reading plays and going to Samuel French when it was still there on the weekends and whatever and I think you were like what do you do for fun and I was like I read more plays and you were like oh honey if you don't live a life you will have nothing you will have no experiences to draw. If your life is just submitting yourself to auditions and reading plays and looking at your scenes for class and coming to class, like that's not a life you have to go like live, like fall in love, get heartbroken, like go be a person. And I was like, oh, interesting. And you're saying this will help my acting career? But uh, <laughs> well, that's like over the years just being like, oh, I just need to live. And that's also just a part of of being a well-rounded storyteller and human. That's right. But what else can we bring to our work but our own lived life experience? You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah. But I hope you've always been doing that, even though, yes, you, you know, that the learning curve for you was all these things we were talking about, trusting yourself and the simplicity of it and you're full and not overthink it. Yeah, I remember a lot of classes not overthinking that, which was beautiful. But that, but that also is part of being in our 20s and yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And that drive did get me far, you know, like it's a, it was a good drive to have and I couldn't have stopped it even if I tried, but it was also just nice to learn that like, you know, I, I, 
I can hold on to things so tight and I can muscle them so hard. And I think maybe about three years ago, I started, because it wasn't happening the way I thought it was going to happen or the way I wanted it to and envisioned it, I started getting really bitter. And you can just feel that on people when they like walk into rooms. And I think I was carrying it with me. I was carrying this like bitterness and chip on my shoulder, like walking into auditions, you could just feel it. And it wasn't mm -hmm. until I like gave myself permission to sort of step back and go on my first vacation in seven years and just like lay on a beach and read a book and think about my life was I like, oh, I need to not muscle this so much. If this is something that I want to do for the rest of my life, which I know in my soul that it is, then I have to, like any relationship, I have to continue to find ways to fall in love with it. And that means taking my hands off its yeah. throat and not begging for it to give me everything, my self-worth, my money, my, like, I, I need to fall in love with it again for the reasons I did when I was a kid and find joy in it again so I'm not walking around with this, like, angry, bitter cloud around me. And that was like a long process to shake that off and sort of fall, just fall in love with it again, do the work of falling in love with it again. Are you a Capricorn? No, I'm a Gemini. Gemini. <laughs> because your work ethic is very Capricorn, like, really? you know, yeah. Very driven by like, reminds me of me a little bit in my early twenties, just very much my whole world was acting in that regard too. You know what I mean? And, yeah. You know, I've always been that way as a Capricorn, working really hard through achievement, but not not like money achievement, just the work, you the know? Work. But my boyfriend has made me like slow down. Yeah, wait, what has made you slow down? My boyfriend. Oh, we love that. Like go to the beach. Yes, my boyfriend is the one who is like, we're going to Greece for two weeks. And I was like, I've never left this town for two weeks in the years that I've lived here. Uh, can we put ourselves on tape? And he goes, no kid, you're booking out. And I was like, I don't, my brain doesn't compute. I don't know how oh to God, do I that. Love him. Should I write a script while I'm there or something? He goes, no, you're gonna drink beer and eat calamari and read some books and swim. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Oh my God, did you have a meltdown? <laughs> I had, a, I had a bit of a meltdown like day two. I was like, I'm not doing anything. Like, and, and that was such an interesting thing to look at literally what we were just talking about, about like being raised in a country that is so hyper fixated Ooh. on being productive Ooh. and yeah. being successful, that yeah. the amount of guilt and fear and shame I felt for just relaxing was so strange. Yeah. And, and it's so funny how difficult that is to shed. Yeah. Still but your boyfriend, isn't, isn't he in the business as well? He's in the business as well. He just has, I think, a bit of a healthier <laughs> relationship. With him. Yeah, Is he a filmmaker or an actor? I feel like yeah. I met him at a party. You did, you did. Yeah. He's all like tall and handsome. and Yeah. yeah. But he's, he's an actor? actor? He's an mm -hmm. actor. Yeah. And did, did you guys do an indie together or something this summer or this past year? Yeah, we both, and it was so wild. We both auditioned and we both auditioned for the same things occasionally, oh. but we never in a million years dream that we'll both get it. And we both got it and it was bananas. And it was so oh. much fun to work together. It was wild. Were fun. you lovers in movie? No, no, no. He, I was like, he had a different love interest and I was just his coworker friend but it was so fun. Were you jealous on set? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I think that's a lovely thing about dating an actor too, is you understand that like, 
nothing about having to make out with your partner is usually that sexy. It's usually just like, you know, I know. cameras in your face and lights and being like, I hope my breath doesn't smell bad and action and everyone's back on their phones. You know what I mean? It's so like robotic and like, yes. it's not, although it just, it reminds me of some newer actors to class. I remember during the years, like, they're like, my boyfriend doesn't want me to be an actress. He's scared of him to make out with somebody. And I was like, we'll make just out with have him come to class. Yeah, like, I mean, you'll see that it's not, but that's the thing, right? It's like the, when we go and watch a movie or something, again, the subjectiveness of it, but also the storytelling aspect of something makes something feel so much more intensely real yes. than the actual actor experiencing it. I Yes. And when I was like, when I was watching Call Me By Your Name, I was like, there's no way these people aren't in love. I'm in love oh, with them. Yeah. I have to be in love. And listening to their interviews of like little baby Timmy being like, yeah, we made out and like his beard scratched my face. And that was really yeah. weird. Anyways. And it's like, oh, I was just over here. Like, this is the most beautiful love I've ever seen. And it's steamy and it's amazing. And it's like, no, they were just like complaining know. about, you know, their beard rubbing <laughs> on each other's faces. I know. It's so, it's so crazy. Like, the, the like the inner workings of the actor or what has to happen and then what is being perceived but that's also like life too right like we project on the people we see somebody walking down the street and we're like oh my god she's coming from blah 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 and then you find out like that person isn't even any of those things i think it's like sometimes we project our fantasies onto onto people we do all the time right yeah. like i remember uh i was listening to this podcast i can't remember or it was a book on tape and um um oh god it was um Oh, uh, Andre Gregory. He Andre Gregory did Banya on 42nd Street. He was into really experimental theater. Yeah. So he has an autobiography about his life. And he worked with Julianne Moore on something. And uh, But he went to go see her in a Broadway play. This is what, after they had worked on something. Well, he had worked with her on Banya on 42nd Street. But anyway, um, he... After the show, there was a monologue or something, and she was just listening to somebody tell her something. And he was just like, Oh my God, Julian, you're so like, you must have been thinking about the pain, your pain, and the character's pain, and blah, blah. She's like, Um, I actually was just counting backwards from like 100 to one. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and like, you know, the audience was rapturous about like, it's, it's, it's like menthol sticks and smoke and mirrors. It's mirrors and and yet we still have to do our work. It's all of it, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, we still do our work. I think that's just the, all these stories are just, again, more and more permission to, to just trust yourself and to yeah. not put so much pressure on an end result. On like, yeah. if I don't have that Julianne Moore moment of just like listening so perfectly, then I'll never be a star or I'll never be like a good actor. And it's like, no, she was counting backwards from 100. You're fine. We're fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think as like the more that I work, the easier slowly but surely it's getting to sort of take people off pedestals, not in any sort of like, haha, I found you out kind of way, but just in like a, oh, we're all peers and this is accessible and we're all scared and we're all learning and that's kind of amazing. Rather than this like terror of like, oh, there's that person and they must not ever be nervous about anything ever. And it's like, no, we're all, we're all just kind of, you know, figuring this out as we go. And it's so nice to learn that. Well, I you think know? again, to break that mythology is really important because we're, we again, believe that, oh, the greats 
don't suffer like we do or struggle or have neuroses or, you know, second guess themselves. And then you're on set and you realize like, oh, they're just people. It's like you and I. I have a story that I'm not sure that I'm allowed to tell, but I'm going to anyway. Change the name of the person. Well, they're all- Actor X. They're all very famous people and that's the point. Oh, yeah. I I talk about famous people all the time. If it's anecdotal. I just don't want to get my friend in trouble. So my friend was working as a second AD on like this huge movie over COVID that like, it's the movie that everyone's in. It's a, the new um, Adam McKay movie that everyone's in. Anyways. Oh, yeah. It's like every single person is in it. And he's okay. all morning would just be texting me different like little stories. And there's so many good ones because he was, he was working on that while I was working on the show. And I was getting so intimidated by things. And I was like, I'm really nervous for this scene, blah, blah, blah. I'm pacing back and forth in my trailer. And he was like, well, do you know what I just stumbled upon? And I was like, what? And he said, I knocked on Kate Blanchett's door. I opened the door to her trailer. She was on the couch crying and um, Leonardo DiCaprio was like consoling her. And she was crying because she had thought that she had messed up her scene with Meryl Streep. And Leo was being like, no, you're fine. Oh my God, that was great. We, we all get nervous about her. Don't worry about it. And so he's like, look, if Kate Blanchett's crying in her trailer too, like you're fine. And then he told me a story of the next day, Meryl Streep is on set with Jonah Hill and Adam McKay goes, oh, just just improvise. And she was like, I didn't know we were gonna do that. And she got nervous and she got terrified and she got flustered. And then Jonah Hill's like, oh, I'll work you into it. Like, just listen to me and like, you know, and oh. she was terrified at first and then slowly she warmed up and was amazing. But all these stories were so nice because I'm like, I'm sorry, these are all the best actors of our generation. And like, they're doing the same exact thing that we're doing of like freaking out in our trailer about a scene with Meryl Streep and, oh, I didn't realize we were going to have to improvise today. Okay. You know, like it's so lovely to hear and to have the curtain sort of pulled back on these people that, you know, were like, they're geniuses. And it's like, they are every, like all of these people are in their own way, but they're also just students of this thing that that's we all right. love. That's learning. right. That's right. They were learning. Uh I think that's a, I love those stories. I think I've told that story about Julia Roberts when she was working with uh, Meryl Streep on August, uh, August Osage County. And she was so nervous because she's like, oh my God, it's Meryl Streep and she's gonna be, and when she got to, and she was like, oh my God, Meryl was so disarming because she was really struggling to try to, she was finding it. Just like we're all trying to find it, trying to find it, right? I always just like, come back to that Leonard Cohen quote of like, and I, I feel this way so strongly about acting as you know, and also, oh, I'm gonna totally start crying. I think it's just so important. I think more and more because our, our business feels and acting training maybe feels even like it's becoming more and more about being perfect. And it's just not fucking about being perfect. And Leonard Cohen has that quote about, forget your perfect offering, cracks, cracks, there's cracks in everything. Yeah, that's how and I wish I know. I wish actors could just be like, that's these imperfections are what make us love you, you know? It's not about fucking saying the lines perfectly. No. You can do another take. How many times have we heard like amazing anecdotes about that one moment in that one famous movie that we all love that was a mistake? Oh, yeah. Or that yeah. was someone messing up their line? Like every time it's like and it's like, why are we surprised every time that this happens? Of course, of course it was the moment where someone was like, wait, sorry, can you say it again? And like that stayed in the movie that we're all in love with. I think that you Robert know? De Niro quote is, uh, you talk 
you talking to me in taxi driver yeah. that that is he was sitting in the corner somewhere and a gaffer at, said something and he thought the gaffer was talking to him and the camera happened to be on they were getting ready to set up the shot or they were yeah and and he was getting ready to come in but 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 he was just getting ready and prepping and so he's like are you talking to me are you talking to me are you talking to me? we love it and that's it. movie and he won an oscar oh my gosh you know what i think i think that all of that stuff i'm finding is really just giving me permission that i like to do things i maybe didn't necessarily feel quote unquote like worthy enough to do all of these things are are things that i'm learning as i come to realize that they're just giving me permission to try things that i wasn't necessarily sure that i was worthy of trying or that i was too nervous because i felt like i needed to I needed to have it figured out before I even I tried. I needed to, the amount of times I've closed my laptop mid writing a script because I was like, ah, no one would want to read it. Or I haven't figured out the ending. You know, like all of these things that I'm like, oh, no one does. No one has no. it figured out. No one's figured out the, like, we're all just, we all have different ways of doing it. There isn't a right way. You know, no one, there. you don't have to follow the rules. Like all of these things and like taking people off pedestals and demystifying. That's right. Is, is such That's a, right. It just gives us permission to like, oh, I can be bad at this and still pursue it. Or I can I can be sloppy and be messy and live in that place and be messy in front of people and that's okay. And it's just, like I said, it's just vulnerable. That's right. I love it. Demystifying things is so important and you start to get more agency in your own life. You know what I mean? Because you realize like, oh, like you said, everybody's just trying to figure it out where they are. I think the ones that I are, am always inspired by are the actors who talk about that they don't have it figured out. I love Robert Pattinson because they're like, oh, you're so good. And he's like, I don't, he, you know, in the lighthouse, I think, or one of them, he was amazing in the lighthouse, but did you see the lighthouse? I haven't seen it. I need oh my God. I hope you need to see that movie. I mean, it, they're so great in that. It's like, I really want to. But of course, he was like, uh, I don't ever know what I'm doing. And I just kind of just start to stumble my way into stuff and try to find things. And eventually, maybe I find it. Yeah. You know, that sort of just radical honesty is so empowering, I think, right? Yeah. It's Robert Pat. It's Robert Pat. <laughs> it's Robbie Pat. Yeah. And it's Robert. what we need to hear because it just gives you like permission, you know? Yeah. Did well, listen, you are, an, you are an emissary of it. You are doing it. I hope the show gets a season two, but even if it doesn't, you are on to other things. Thank you. That's, that was just my little ritual. Thank Did you. a little rainfall ritual. <laughs> um, so let's do, I mean, I could talk to you for hours because I love how you think, Hope, and you're, 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 everything you're saying is correct. I think, you know, I also have this like weird, like vision of you like doing a Broadway show. Oh boy, oh boy. That well, would be quite truly my dream come true. I would love that more than anything. I think I think you you know get your agents on it. Yeah. I think you would. I mean, you are. You're really translucent on stage, and I think that I think you're like such a solid actor in that regard. Like, I think it takes cojones to be on stage. You know what I mean? <laughs> I <laughs> For mean, the lack of a better word, it so. does. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not very sophisticated today, um, but it does. It takes a kind of bravery and courage and meeting your meeting your honest self the way you want to do it. And 
Yeah. You know, there's nothing to hide. You can't hide on stage. No, you can't. But you it's also I mean? like exhilarating thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. New York is kind of rebounding. So slowly reopening. Yeah. You never know. I mean, um, I just felt like I had to tell you that. So thank you. You're welcome. Let's do the speed round here. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. If you weren't an actor, what would you be? A therapist. Oh, wow. Okay. Any, like a marriage therapist or straight on? With children. I get along with wow. kids more than, like, I can just talk to them very easily. And I oh, wow. love them. And I want to do something with children. Like, I, I have a dream of, like, having, like, a children's theater company someday. Like, I just love uh -huh. kids. But oh, okay. I... I would love to be a child therapist. That would be my job if I wasn't an actor. It'd also be kind of sad though, right? Because children be who are in therapy yeah. are, 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 you know, the products of trauma, right? Like probably yes. that's why they're there. So it's intense. But it's also, yeah, it's gotta be so intense. I, I had a therapist when I was quite young and I just remember feeling so held by that adult and the thought of like even kind of being that for a kid who needs it. Yeah. Sounds incredible. Wow. Okay. The beautiful. What's your favorite film of all time or just a favorite film? <laughs> this is very corny, but um, Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> the one with, uh, Which one? Haven't there been... Joe Wright? Or John oh, Wright? Joe Wright. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he's he's great at those classical, like, reimaginings. It's just yeah. like, it's one of those films that I could just watch literally any time every day. You kind of want to be in those kind of movies, yes, though, too. Yes, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Did you get? I mean, you I should get an audition for Bridgerton. My God. I know. I know. I know. When you know that thing when like that show came out, I was like, now hold on. Where? Where was? Well, my but you know what? I have someone who's on season one, one of the leads, Brit. I have a girl who's on season two at her London school, and here, total Brit. Brit. Not a Brit. So, okay. You would have had to pretend you were a Brit. Like a true Brit, not an American with a Brit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's true. You would have had to come up with a whole identity. Yes. <laughs> come up with it. But you know, I love to do that. You know, I love to overcomplicate things. I'll so, do it. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be a season three. You could get going on that now. Just start my other identity. Yes. Make up a name. Love there that. There are no rules. We just said it. There are no rules. There are no rules. Yeah. You know what? I love this. First, I'm going to do Broadway. Then I'm going to do Bridgerton season three. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to share this because I'm not going to do it. But my boyfriend and I were talking because I'm working on this uh, the script about climate change. And I was like, I was like, you know what? Nobody cares about a white, I'm not straight, but a white dude writing these stories. And I was like, maybe, and my boyfriend is Asian. And I was like, he was like, babe, just change your name. It could be Tony Wong. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe if that's what it takes. If we get married, then I would do that anyway. Maybe. Then you're like, perfect. Oh, darn, guess we get married. Hmm. Maybe. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Love to be on that one, too. Uh, what's something you can't do without? Oh. Um, Jane Austen books. Oh, no. Uh, well, kind of. Um, my, my friends. Oh, that's deep. Good. Uh, <laughs> Usually people are like, my cell phone. Uh, my cell phone. No, I, I could throw my cell phone into a body of water and never look at it again. Nothing gives me more anxiety than my cell phone. My human yeah, friends. 
what's a piece of advice for your younger self? Relax and trust yourself. <laughs> Relax a little and trust yourself. Yes. Who's a celebrity crush? Oh my goodness gracious, all of them. Um, oh, wait, who's like a really oh, crushy crush one? Could be a guy or a girl. All, I mean, oh, I'm in love with Bo Burnham. Oh, I haven't seen his Netflix special you yet. You would just love it, Tony. You would no, love Tyler it. Tyler told me. Tyler was like, yeah. you gotta watch it. So I got, you it's on my it. list. It's, it's truly, it made me angry it was so good. Like that kind of thing where I was like, Will I ever do anything great? Like that kind of thing. But it is so good. But like Adam Driver. Oh yeah, he's great. Oh, did you hear about his new movie with uh, Marion Cotard? Oh my God. Very yeah. excited for that one. I'm so excited. Very excited. Like, yeah. Fireworks. <laughs> um, what scares you the most? Um, oh, this is supposed to be a speed round. Um, Spiders and not living up to my potential. I can't help you with the spiders, but you are living up to your potential and then way beyond it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, what, how would you define, what, what, uh, how would you define acting in one word? Listening. I owe you a Starbucks for that. <laughs> Twenty-five years I've been teaching. I'm telling you, it is all listening. Literally, you said that to me day one, and here I am ten years later, and I'm still like, "What is this scene missing from me?" Ah, yes, listening. Because it's it's every it's the world it's everything. I think yeah. as you get older, you realize like listening isn't just this olfactory thing. It's not just the ear. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Um, what's What's something you learned studying with us, with me, whatever, listening? I was about to say, listening. Um, God, so much. It's hard to distill it into like one little crunchy tidbit. Um, taught me the perfect equilibrium between like work and improv or between sort of preparation and and throwing it all away at the door and i don't know the word for that other than like like you made it to where i could go in with an idea and have someone say no it's the complete opposite and then have the skills to be like okay great and then do the complete opposite and still have it be rooted in the line of the character in the story and that is such a specific skill the ability to Take a note. Take a, you know what? There we go to take a note. Why did I try to make it this whole long poetic shenanigans? You taught me how to take a note, Tony. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. I love <laughs> you all. That's so funny. Um, and the last question, what's your definition of love? <sighs> oh my God. What's my definition of love? No. Giving yourself wholly to something without asking for anything in return. Oh, that's beautiful. Thanks. I always just say my defi definition of love is just this moment right now. Oh, I love that. Wow, I really love that. I love that so I much. That way. I feel that way. And I feel like my podcasts are 
I love every person I've gotten to talk with and we talk about such inspiring things. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. I've always been a huge fan. I will continue to be. I hope we get to work on something together. I know. At some point. Oh, really. Um, tell class because I want to, you know. Yeah, we're, uh, we're there. Work. We're here. We're back and, you know, functioning. God bless. Somehow we're getting through That's it, you know. What a year. Right now is when we need it more than anything. Like right now is when we need this. Connection. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It is true. Uh, so tell our tell the listeners like where they can find you and, and the show. Like, You can find the show on The CW on Monday nights. And then on Tuesday mornings, you can stream it for free on thecw.com. And then in September, we're going to be on HBO Max, the whole thing. Oh, wow. Great. Like a, okay. If you're a binge person, you can just binge the whole thing on HBO Max. Amazing. And then where can they find you on, on socials? Um, on social meds, you can find me at Hopelina, H-O-P-E-L-I-N-A on Instagram and hello, Hope Lauren on Twitter, though I don't tweet that much except for about newsies. Oh, so great. Thank you, Hope, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was lovely. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by We Audition. Receive 25% off with the promo code A-M-A-W on weaudition.com. The video chat community to audition, rehearse, self-tape, and get advice, and hopefully book the fucking job.